Hello and welcome to CM Conversations. I'm today's host, Lyle King, and my role at CM Industrial specializes in recruitment across a variety of water and wastewater markets on a global scale. In this episode of CM Conversations, I talk to Mike Dixon, the CEO and founder of Sonata. Sonata are a Canadian-based clean tech startup providing artificial intelligence solutions to help desalination plants save up to 20% of their operation costs. They estimate the global industry can save more than 12 million tonnes of CO2 every year, a figure that's actually been validated by engineering firm GHD. The company has a growing team and they're working with around 15 desalination and water reuse plants across Europe, the Middle East, Australia and North America. These plants vary in size from as little as 1,000 metres cubed per day up to 250,000 metres cubed per day. In my conversation with Mike, we discuss digitisation, artificial intelligence and how these two things are impacting the desalination market. So here it is. I hope you enjoy listening to our discussion. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Lyle. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. How are, how are things in Canada? Not too bad right now. Uh, COVID's starting to turn around, at least in my province, so uh, can't complain, really. Good, good. So, um, yeah, Mike, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, obviously, as we've sort of previously uh, discussed, the, the purpose of this podcast is to discuss how digitalization and artificial intelligence in particular are impacting the desalination markets. Um, now, I suppose as a very quick introduction, why don't you give our listeners uh, you know, a quick background on yourself, um, you know, the sort of career path that you followed and also uh, you know, a quick introduction to Sonalta and the, and the things that you guys are doing over there. Sure thing. And first, just to kick off, uh... Thanks very much for having me on the podcast today. So a little bit, thank you, uh, a little bit about myself. So I've been working in desalination and membrane water treatment for almost 20 years now. Uh, I did my PhD in microfiltration and reverse osmosis, studying toxin removal from algae and the taste and odors associated with cyanobacteria. And I also worked on the Adelaide desalination project in Australia, where I'm from originally. Uh, after working on Adelaide desal, I moved to Los Angeles to work for Nano H2O. And I worked through the acquisition of the company and spent about a year working with LG Chem. Uh, and then I was looking for a new challenge. So I was thinking about water treatment in oil and gas and was reading about everything going on in Canada and decided to move up to Canada and try a new challenge. And as I learned more about um, startups in the space, getting into water treatment, uh, I decided, hey, I'll probably start my own startup uh, and started making investigations and later came to starting up Sonata. So I really love working in the water industry because we all need water to survive and desalination attracts me in particular because it's really astounding that we can make fresh water from the sea and remove the salt just using a simple piece of plastic or, or the membrane really is what I'm talking about. I also really love efficiency and shaving every last bit of waste down really floats my boat actually. Uh, and sometimes this spreads to my activities outside work as well. Uh, I live in the Canadian Rockies on the western side of the country and I really enjoy climbing and skiing. So dialing in the right mix of snow conditions and gear and technique uh, and just shaving off the last little bits 
of uh, waste within a, a personal trip is something I really enjoy doing. So that's a little bit about me. Great stuff. Great stuff. So obviously, as we as we sort of briefly touched on at the beginning, you know, the focus that I'd like to, um, well, the focus on today is obviously how uh, digitalization and artificial intelligence are impacting desalination plants. And I suppose more specifically, it's the operations of those plants in particular. So um, if I'm correct, obviously, you guys with Sonata have developed a sort of artificial intelligence solution um, and a digital solution to optimize the way that desalination plants can operate. Um, what are the main challenges when it does come to sort of integrating these solutions into sort of desalination operations? You know, what are, what are the main challenges that you guys are facing at, at the moment? Sure thing. So probably the main challenge or barrier is um, one, the industry is currently changing little bit by little bit. And our mindset about what's possible in technology and water uh, is always changing. So digitization is a little bit new. So we're working with that. Um, but actually, the COVID has really helped us through this because uh, I feel everyone really had to lean into um, digitization, going from working in an office to having to use tools like Zoom and Teams all the time. Uh, and it's made people that little bit more comfortable with digitization in the workplace. Um, so that's helped us a lot, actually. Uh, but getting back to exactly on the technology, um, in desalination in the past, uh, you had to design a plant at a fixed recovery if you wanted it to work well for long periods of time. And in desal, we're talking about 20, 25 years for the longer time contracts here. Um, but now by adding machine learning, uh, instead of saying you have to operate at this exact condition, you can say, I want the plant to run at this capacity and produce this amount of water, um, but uh, I want the best energy conditions possible. Uh, and I'm gonna set some constraints that are harder constraints on the edge really around my design envelope for the plant. Um, but you don't necessarily need to say this condition needs to be always fixed and that condition needs to be always fixed. Uh, so that mindset change about designing a plant uh, is something that we're gonna work with uh, over the coming years. Uh, from a data perspective, uh, there are far fewer barriers actually in desalination plants than conventional water treatment plants. And that's generally because membrane manufacturers for reverse osmosis usually need data from the plant for warranty purposes. Um, so they're always checking that the right things are being monitored uh, to make sure the membranes are performing well. Uh, so that means generally at a desalination plant, there's lots of data available. Uh, also, though, we need to look at the amount of data we can access. Uh, that's something we can really use to our advantage. And um, given this, we've got the potential to leapfrog uh, less data-intensive industries and show them how it's done. Uh, some other minor barriers that we have. Uh, it's important during the process of digitization to make sure sensors are working properly. So some plants need to take a, a couple of weeks to recalibrate sensors, for example. Um, though our system can work through a small amount of inaccuracy, um, what we do do in the beginning of a project is to go through what's available on the plant, what needs to be updated and work closely with the operators to say, okay, there are some minor barriers here, 
but this is how we can overcome them little bit by little bit and get to a point where we can, uh, sorry, get to a place where we can apply the machine learning. Um, so they're the barriers that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis, digitizing the industry. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the water sector as a whole, if you were to sort of encompass, you know, all of the various treatment facilities that, you know, you would sort of package into, you know, the water industry is historically a cautious and relatively slow to act industry. You know, if you sort of compare it to other maybe industrial markets that have adopted digital technologies perhaps quicker than, or that, you know, they certainly have adopted those quite quick. And when you compare it to, you know, water markets in particular, have you seen an uptick, you know, since COVID and, and the, the pandemic in the, the sort of rate at which, you know, these digital technologies are being, I suppose, embraced and, and adopted? Yes, ab absolutely. So there has been a good amount of discussion around our industry towards digitization over the last five years or so, but we certainly saw a great uptick with COVID. Um, when COVID first hit, um, people were a little bit unsure as to what would happen in the water industry. So a lot of things and new technologies went on hold for a little bit, um, but at least on the digital side, things came back really, really quickly. And we heard uh, a lot of people saying, hey, we now realize this is something we absolutely have to do and we have to do it very quickly. Um, so we saw a clear attitude change uh, amongst our customers to say, it's time to go right now. And this is actually something that we can do during COVID um, because a digitization process doesn't always need to mean someone needs to be present on site and doing certain things between two different companies. Um, quite often it's something that we can, we can do entirely online. Um, so yeah, with COVID, I think we've seen a really good uptick towards digital technologies in water. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a small positive to take from what has been obviously a very difficult time for most. Um, I suppose obviously when a customer or, you know, a plant in, in particular is sort of coming to you guys and saying that, you know, they want to adopt these systems, you know, what, what are the, the main advantages? Um, obviously, I mean, desalination historically has been a very energy intensive uh, process. You know, it, it often gets a bad reputation for sort of the amount of energy that, you know, a particular, pro a particular plant, should I say, might use. So what are the main advantages to these, these new systems that, that you guys are adopting? So first I'll start with the advantages of adopting digital technology or artificial intelligence. So we're all expected to do more with less and that includes operators as well. So imagine this, you're an operator at a large desalination company and you come into the work in the morning and you make yourself a coffee and you sit down at the controls of the SCADA and an alarm goes off and you say, whoop, I've got to go out on site and I've got to fix this pump or this pipe. And then that takes you a couple of hours and you come back to the control room and oh no, now there's 30 alarms going off on site. Uh, so that's a little bit mind blowing, a lot of stuff to deal with. And you spend the rest of the day trying to deal with those alarms and five o'clock or whatever time you finish work comes around and you say, ah, I wish I had had time to optimize today, but I've just been too busy trying to make water flow out of the plant. Uh, and so you come in the next day and it happens again. 
and again and again. And sometimes that can roll into weeks or even months before you get the chance to um, sit down, take a deep breath, make a whole heap of calculations and do some optimization. Uh, so the great thing about uh, artificial intelligence is all the optimization can be done in the background. And when you're an operator, that means it's just one of those headaches that you can let go, not have to worry about, and really focus on the key things for a desal plant, which is making enough water flow out of the plant at the right quality. Uh, so the great thing about artificial intelligence uh, in general is that it's quite precise and it's very quick. So for instance, to optimize just one train of membranes at a seawater reverse osmosis plant, it could take you as much as a week to sit down and do the lengthy calculations in Excel. Uh, so supervised machine learning turns that process into minutes. Uh, perhaps most importantly, there's also many efficiency wins to be had and AI is really a capability multiplier. Uh, it can do all the repetitive stuff uh, so that people can be a free, freed up to deal with other problems, uh, problems that require creative problem solving or maybe thinking about ethical considerations or even making decisions based on life experiences. Uh, so what I'm saying here is that as humans, we should do things that our brain is good at and we can let artificial intelligence and digitization process do the repetitive things that really are just annoying for us. Um, just a note for listeners is you mentioned, okay, in the water industry, we're a little bit conservative. Um, that's probably a good thing because water has to look after um, millions of people around the world. When you run a desal plant or a water treatment plant, you're providing water to a lot of people and they rely on it. So it's very important that you not mess around and you produce the water of the right quality so nobody gets sick and nobody runs out of water. Um, but in other industries, uh, although somewhat conservative as well, um, they've been doing artificial intelligence for quite some time. So let's take the power industry, for example. Uh, it's actually quite mature as a technology over there. Um, Many years ago, uh, a company called Nuco started doing artificial intelligence using neural networks long before neural networks were a big popular thing like they've been over the last five years. Uh, so Nuco started doing work in, in 1998 uh, when computer power was even quite slow, uh, but they were still able to use these neural networks and it was a big success for them. In 2017, GE acquired the company uh, and now it's being used in plants all around the world. Um, so they started out by optimizing fuel usage uh, and eventually started creating many algorithms for controlling the plant, including pollutant reduction. So there's good parallels with uh, what we're doing at Sonoda in that in the power industry, they looked at fuel usage reduction. In desalination, we're looking at energy use reduction, a very good comparison. Uh, also, I think from a recruiting perspective uh, in desalination and really for all water companies for that matter, uh, we can gain a lot of uh, advantage by adopting new technologies that attract upcoming digital talent. Uh, so if you want to attract and retain the talent needed to innovate and stay ahead of your competition, 
uh, you really need to demonstrate a commitment to adopting these technologies because uh, up and coming people in the industry are really engaged with these kind of things and they really want to be a part of it. Um, so let's just talk about Sonata in general and what the main advantages are to um, using our technology. Uh, so first of all, there's no major capital spend to save energy and chemicals. It's different to the propositions of the past where you would say, I would buy this piece of mechanical equipment and save energy and there's like a longer payback. For us, the payback is extremely quick and compared with those mechanical equipment installs. Uh, additionally, we have a multi-train optimization routine that means you can achieve energy savings that are really impossible for humans to do. There's so many things to think about that it's difficult to balance all of the trains on a, on a large desalination site and calculate at a frequency that makes sense to save energy. Uh, additionally, we can help schedule cleanings. Uh, so it takes the guesswork out of the best time to clean and tells you if you wanna minimize your cost, today's the day to clean. Uh, and here's a real kicker is that the potential to save as much as $3 million for large desal plants uh, is really great value for owners and operators of desalination plants. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, just to touch on your point about, you know, the sort of industry as a whole, why do you think it is that, you know, when we sort of surmise water as a, you know, as an industry, that we are only seeing these technologies embraced today or you know sort of now as opposed to you know decades ago that other industries sort of really started to uh, adopt those those systems so one of the reasons why i think it is is that um a lot of our industry is and the people behind thought are either chemical engineers or process engineers so they're really familiar with chemical processes and when it comes to digitization, that's a little bit new. And of course, that's a broad generalization. But when I think about the people that I interact with uh, in the desalination community, okay, a lot of process engineers, a lot of chemical engineers. Um, but let's think about that new co example and the power industry. Uh, in the power industry, generally, you've got a lot of electrical engineers. Um, so the electrical engineers kind of a little bit closer to software engineering. Uh, and they under, I think they understand the concepts of digitization a little bit better. So I think over in the power industry, for example, then it was a, a little bit of an easier prospect for people to understand and why it might've gone a little bit quickly, uh, more quickly. Um, for us, okay, um, I'm personally, I'm a chemical engineer as well. Software is completely new to me, uh, especially the development of the software. Um, extremely foreign uh, when I started out Sonata. Now, of course, I'm a lot more familiar and comfortable with it, um, but it took time. It took time, like even for myself, uh, who was like really thinking about it deeply to come across to the way that software engineers think. So I think it's just, it's just quite different for us in the water industry. Uh, I'm sure there's many reasons uh, and I haven't seen any data around that, um, but just a thought that I've had of why it might have been a little bit slower. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that. Um, we, as a company, were actually speaking to a publication sort of earlier in the year about how water companies, you know, the water industry more generally adopting these new digital technologies will lead to a bit of a talent gap and how obviously the water industry will change and adopt, um, you know, to, to, well, to facilitate that change, you know, that they may need to, or companies, 
um, or even industries as a whole may need to look outside of, you know, where they typically would hire to sort of bridge that gap. Um, and obviously like immediate, immediate solutions would be to look at certain tech markets, but it's interesting that you say that, you know, it, it maybe is that there is a, a lack of understanding at more on a more fundamental level about how to actually sort of implement these systems and ultimately then like I say, you know, facilitate that change. So it's quite interesting that you share that opinion. Yeah, your problem there is really coming from two angles, right? It's if you're searching for a software developer, they don't necessarily understand the concepts that we deal with in the water industry, uh, the physics and chemistry of what we're doing to absolutely know how to optimize a system and vice versa. The chemical engineer doesn't really understand the concepts of software and how that works to be able to apply it. Uh, mm. to our industry so you're right I, I think we are coming up for a skills gap as the industry turns towards digitization yeah that sounds um that sounds interesting um so i mean in your opinion then mike what do you think the future holds for sort of desalination more generally like i sort of briefly touched on it's at times been given quite a bad rep because of the sort of energy intensive process that it is known to be um, obviously, by the sounds of things, you know, these systems that you guys are sort of facilitating bridge that gap somewhat in the, you know, the sort of energy optimization there. Um, and I suppose that's the key word, isn't it? That it is optimization. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, what, what does the future hold for, for desalination more generally, but, you know, particularly as well, you know, the Sonata and the, the role that you guys are playing? Sure. Okay. And I think leading on to, from what you're saying there is, Desalination costs are becoming more and more competitive, actually, with conventional water treatment. Uh, there's always going to be a challenge there simply because the, of the physics, thermodynamics of removing salt from water. That's always going to cost that little bit more. But some of the com uh, costs are getting very competitive. Like we've been talking about 40 cents per cube desalination and seeing uh, companies in the Middle East beating those prices again and again and again and getting cheaper and cheaper. Uh, so I think the future will be much more, much better cost competitiveness over time. Uh, but as well, I think the future is gonna be in both desalination reuse as well. I really bucket those two things together is growth, right? We've seen some amazing growth um, even over the last couple of years of more and larger desalination plants. And a lot of that is coming out of the Middle East, um, but it's really being pushed by global freshwater shortages, uh, which is being exacerbated by climate change. So dry areas are getting drier and therefore needing to turn to desalination. Uh, and it's forcing governments and industries to find solutions right now, whereas previously they thought, okay, maybe this is 10 years, 15 years in the, down the track that's coming faster and faster for them. Um, so let's look at a couple of examples here. Uh, Mumbai, for example, uh, previously had no problems and is now looking at building a desalination plant. Uh, Egypt is looking to reduce their reliance on the Nile uh, by creating more and more desalination plants. And we're seeing big builds in, in that area as well. Uh, and water reuse projects using reverse osmosis uh, are becoming far more common all around the world, actually. Um, just recently in the news, another example I saw was semiconductor companies in Taiwan are trucking water for their chip making foundries uh, because the typhoons haven't come uh, in that region. 
uh, and the reservoirs haven't filled. Uh, so the country's actually building an emergency desalination plant. Uh, in the Middle East, like I was talking about, um, a region really we could call the home of desalination with so many plants uh, around the countries there. Uh, we're going to see more than half a dozen large plants installed um, that are larger than the world's largest plant only five years ago in 2016. So incredible growth really is the future of desalination. Uh, on the technical side, I think we're going to see plants with more renewable energy uh, to power the plant. Uh, a lot of solar, a lot of wind-powered plants. Uh, we're seeing even solar panels being installed in um, or adjacent to existing plants. Uh, the plant I worked at, the Adelaide desalination plant, has recently done that, for example. Uh, and I'm excited to see things like uh, the Department of Energy competition in the United States to accelerate the development of low-cost desal systems using solar thermal power um, so that they can produce fresh water from salt water. Uh, also in the future, uh, I think we're gonna have to lean more into increasing public acceptance of desalination as a climate independent water source. Uh, as the population grows, we're just gonna get to that point where fresh water starts to run out and we really have to turn to desalination, even in areas that were previously considered as water long, rather than the areas like the Middle East considered water short. And uh, technology-wise, again, uh, there's always going to be new technologies, uh, or perhaps even, like we see a lot, is rebranded ideas from the past, uh, and they'll be sprouted. Sorry, they'll be touted as uh, a silver bullet to water security. And uh, any desalination technology solution has to be deployed where it makes the most environmental, social and economic sense. So something for us to keep in the back of our mind as we see more of these technologies trying to be launched. Uh, so this is why industrial solutions like water reuse and desalination are key, because we've really run out of time to talk about tackling these problems. And RO is the most energy efficient desalination solution, period. So we should really think about how we're pushing RO. And later down the track, we might see a more competitive technology, but for the moment, RO remains the gold standard. Uh, and you asked me as well about what's the future for Sonorda. So at Sonorda, we hope that the future looks like operators having much more time to focus on keeping the plant online and not having to worry about things like optimization. We're hoping, as you mentioned, yet again, to lower OPEX costs worldwide and help out uh, EPC companies bring that projected cost of desal down yet again. We're hoping to see healthier membranes with longer lifespans. And from us personally, we wanna see more case studies for our energy saver and chemical saver product. And we're also really happy to be continuing to work with a great team of people who are passionate about efficiency. Sounds it does sound like um, like a really interesting time. I mean, you um you mentioned obviously about sort of desalination's role in mitigating the impacts of sort of water scarcity, you know, globally. And I suppose to touch on that, when sort of I first started working in this area, you know, predictions for sort of water shortages were sort of 2040 as the sort of earliest. But I was actually reading an article um, last week 
that was predicting that that sort of year could be brought forward as early as 2025. So, you know, in what has been, you know, just over five years, that sort of prediction of water shortages has been brought forward by 15 years. So it does seem as if we're at a point now where it's no longer good enough to simply talk about ideas. You know, it, it now needs to be a point where sort of ideas are put into practice. Um, and obviously, as you say, desalination will be a large part of that, won't it? It will obviously play a really important role in the availability of, of fresh water. So it's really interesting to see, you know, companies like um, Sonata that are sort of helping that, that sort of change. And obviously, being able to optimise something that perhaps is quite energy intensive. But like you say, if that's bringing it more in line with sort of market rates, then that is only a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. And in, in the past, as desalters, we've always thought, okay, desalination is your last line of resort. It's like, first, do I have any fresh water? Do I have a reservoir? What can I draw on from a river? If, if I don't have that, what's available as a freshwater source underground and groundwater? And then thinking about, well, maybe I need to do some water reuse and cut down industrial use of my drinking water and have two water sources. And then finally, as a last resort, getting to desalination. But with all the pressure coming from climate change, like you were saying, people starting to say, look, we could be much more water scarce in areas we weren't thinking of faster. Um, that Then that decision to get to seawater desalination and um, that kind of technology is going to come faster and faster uh, because we know it is a solution that we can use uh, and it is getting cheaper. So I think we're going to see it more prevalently. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, it's like I say, it's certainly an interesting time. And I think it, it is obviously thinking that it's been, I suppose, embraced across the industry. We are obviously seeing more and more sort of positive things that are being done. So yeah. Um, um, I think that kind of would be a, a good place to to end it today, Mike. Um, just, I suppose, as a, a final comment, do you have anything, you know, that you would like to, to say in a, as a sort of final comment? Uh, nothing further from me, uh, other than it's been a really good chat today, Lyle. It's been really good to share my personal ideas, uh, as well as uh, some of the ideas that we've had at St. Order and how we're helping operators around the world. Uh, I guess a key thing for any operators listening to the podcast is that artificial intelligence is not coming to take your job. And that's just like, not just Sonoda's opinion, is we're really here to help augment what you do uh, and help you on a day-to-day -day basis do the things that you need to do and not have to worry about some of those niggling things that you prefer not to do. Um, so I, I guess that's one of our key messages for today. Yeah. Great stuff. Right. Well, um, Mike, I will um, let you get on with your day. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully talk soon. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Lyle. So that was my CM conversation with Mike Dixon, the CEO and founder of Sonata. I found it fascinating learning about the latest innovations and developments that are advancing within the water and wastewater industry, particularly the uh, desalination markets. I'd like to thank Mike for his time and his insight. 
and I'll be looking forward to seeing how Sonata progress in this exciting market. If you'd like to listen, read, or watch any more of our water content, please go to searchingindustrial.com. For more podcasts like this about the markets Charlton Morris work in, please subscribe to CM Conversations. Thank you for listening. I've been your host, Lyle King. Bye for now.